Welcome along to Lucky 13, episode 13 of the Thai Football Podcast with me, Dale Farrington. And me, Rob Bernard. How's things, Rob? Good week? Really good, thanks. What have you been up to? Just some football, some temples, just living country life. It's hard being an international playboy in deepest days, Sam. And we've got we've got your roving report coming up later in the show as well. Great stuff. And I think there's a plug, isn't there, for a, a local restaurant as well. So we, we could shake, yeah. shake them down for a few quid, I think. Oof, I think we'll do well to get money out with him, but you never know. Or a free meal. Free meal might be nice. Yeah. Anyway, let's crack on. So we're going to start this week. We've got three match reports. Risa, who was at the Ratbury game. Tim, who was at Chambury. And the third one was Kevin, who was at BG against Mungtong United. And obviously there's been some developments which we'll discuss after we've heard the three reports. So here they are. Ties to the podcast. Match reports. Good evening, this is Riza from Dragon Solar Park. Today we are in the match day 4 of the Thai League, Rachaburi FC against Polistero. Yes, as you heard, the crowd is so happy with the result tonight. The score is 6-1 for Rachaburi FC. I'm now here with uh, Kun Bom. He especially came from France for this game. Kun Bom, what do you think about this game tonight? I think Rajabri is uh, playing very well. So after you can see a uh, three game, uh, no victory. So you can see that this game, they uh, have more hunger to for, for a win. And then they deserve to win. They, they control everything in the game. So 6-1, um, it tells a lot of things. Yes, a lot of uh, goals scored tonight. Uh, which goal that your favorite tonight? I think the goal of Far is very, very, is very uh, yeah. beautiful goal. Uh, yeah, I agree uh, with you. He he. he the ball in the left and then first time shoot and in the corner of the net. So uh, last question for you, Kunbab. Uh, who's the man of the match? I think today it should be Sio. Is he really make a difference? Yeah, his second goal in the league. Okay. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much, Kunbab. Thank you. Good luck on your career in <laughs> France. Okay. There it is. Rajaburi six. Polistero one. See you on the next one. Cheers. Ties to match reports. We're now 15 minutes into the first half. Chumbury have had more possession. They're playing the ball around nicely. The goalkeeper seems pretty assured. We've had a couple of chances. Lampang have had their half chances, but they're looking quite a physical team. Dennis has had a tough time. I mean, every time he gets the ball, two players go in and him hard. And I mean, hard. You know, he's been on the ground four or five times already. Nil-nil. <laughs> 32 minutes into the game, um, not a lot has changed in the last 15 minutes. Probably the pang have been slightly, slightly better. We hit somebody had a good chance. The keeper pulled up a good save. Equally, our goalkeepers looked very, very solid. So that a good save, save to his wide. Pick the ball up, no fuss. Dennis, not a lot happening down there. 41 minutes, 40 seconds, 44 seconds into the game. Lampong have had a good chance, we've had a great chance. Um, that's really all there is to say. It's fairly sort of nil-nil going on. I would say that looking at this, our goalkeeper is massive step up on China. Not just a little bit, massive. Not the fact he's, you know, like a foot taller. It's the fact that he gets the ball, doesn't fap around, distributes it well. I know showboating, they have a left winger who's actually pretty pretty good. Probably their best player by quite a mile. Seen a couple of Chambry efforts in this 
saw the second half. We've had sort of half, fair amount of half chances. And it's been quite a lot of noise from the home crowd. The away end, uh, it's a poultry away end, so not a lot of noise from that end. 63 minutes and 39, 40 seconds and 0-0. Zero, zero. 57 minutes and two Chambry substitutes. Our two best players so far today. So we're sort of thinking uh, we're nil-nil with a team bottom of the table and we're going to hold on to a point. It just seems a bit odd. But let's see how we hold out. 22 minutes to go. Nil-nil. Right, we're 79 minutes and 46 seconds in. How the Lampard did not score. I will just never know. Please go, keep it to beat. One on one, put it wide. Val says even she would have scored. We are absolutely hopeless at front. We get the ball, we play around nicely with the back four. Gets into midfield, playing in a big midfield. Any one of the top two it gets to, the ball gets off. This is nothing up front. Nothing. We ain't going to win this. We just ain't going to win this game. Um, this is going to be a really tough season. Shocking how poor we are, Dale. Nil nil. Shot somebody. One nil somebody. We are now 85 minutes in. Thank one of the Johnny's goals we have ever seen. Ball came in from the left. Apply kicked it. Defender went up to it, stopped it. He's in looped up over him. Keeper went the wrong way. And it just slowly trickled past his legs. And I mean, Dale, slowly. We are so lucky. Five minutes extra time. Chambly one, Lampung nil. We're a bit fortunate, really, to be honest. Not impressed with today. Since we've gone one nil up, they're really pushing for equaliser. Not getting anything. Let's hope we can hold this up. Great chance. Absolutely great chance uh, for Chambly. Ball went over, wide right, pulled inside, shot. Keeper being and just missed the left hand side post. And to be honest, I think we've been quite lucky today. We haven't deserved anything on this game. And we're 1 0 up. With that minute left, um, this is going to be the final score unless they do something. I will never, ever, ever know how it's not 1 1. I mean, their player went over right hand side, beat the player, pulled it back, beat the keeper. Passed it, open goal, one player, hit the post, hit the defender, hit the post and went out. We're now over, over five minutes of extra time. Okay, we're 1-0 We apparently won three points, but no way did we deserve that. This is going to be a tough, tough season. We are very, very poor at the moment. Ties to Hello Dale, this is Kevin from Kickoff Corner and this is my match report for BG Bathum United versus Mungtong United. What a phenomenal game that was for the neutral fan, but what a terrible game that was for a Mungtong United fan. BG Bathum United winning the game 5-2. Even though the stat sheets would disagree with me, it says Mungtong United had more possession of the ball. I was at that ground today and let me tell you, there was not a single moment that you could say Mungtong United 
United looked like the better team on the pitch today. Talking about the pitch, this was my first away day for Meng Tong United and what a stadium to be at. It's one of the best stadiums in Thailand. I actually thought that stadium would have a better drainage system to dry off the pitch as quickly as possible. You saw a few workers try to take off the water off the pitch and on the surface it looked like there was no more water left. But when the game kicked off, there were so many chances Meng Tong United could have capitalized on but the water clogging on the pitch were their enemies today. But hey, that's just an excuse because the water was clogged for BG Bathum as well. But now to the match report, I would like to talk about Boromit. Mario should start him more often, not as a striker, but as a number 10. Today you saw how valuable he was to the team. It was so easy for him to switch in between the number 8 position and the shadow striker position. And he also came up with the opening goal of the game, giving a lot of Mung United fans hope. But then everything went downhill after that. In the first half, BG Pathum were leading 2-1 and that leading goal came from Alvarez with a beautiful world-class free kick. And he put BG Pathum United on the front foot for the first time in the game and they win the first half 2-1. Moving on to the second half, BG Pathum came back as the more dominant team once again. That fourth goal came in as a penalty by Victor. I went and watched back the replays and in my opinion that was never a penalty. Even though the penalty was given, that goalkeeper should have saved it. Victor had a really terrible shot and it also deflected from the keeper's hands. You could see how disappointed he was because he also knew that he should have saved it. Anyways, Meng Tong United comes back and they get an own goal from BG Pathum, making the game 4-2. But once again, what a volley from BG Pathum to make the game 5-2. But I'd want to mention a few positives of the game. Starting off with Meng Tong United were a little bit more direct on the ball compared to the games against Chiang Rai United and Bangkok United. Meng Tong United created way more chances, had way more shots and had way more shots on target today because they were a little bit more direct. This basically proves that being a little bit more direct in Thai league football is not a bad thing. And the brand of football Mario wants to play, we just gotta be real over here because the players he's got are not good enough to play that brand of football. They're so predictable and their passes are so slow and most of the passes are backwards. There's no use of having high position and creating zero chances and being super predictable. I reckon Meng Tong United should play a little bit more direct, a little bit more creative and not too technical because the players are not good enough. Talking about Mario, at the end of the game, he came towards the Meng Tong United fans and he was saying something. I could not really grasp everything he was saying because it was too loud around me. But Thai League posted a video on their Instagram account. If you watch that video, it basically hints that Mario might be leaving Meng Tong United. Look, Mario, if he leaves Meng Tong United, right, I think it could be a good thing. But I could be really, really wrong as well because I really like Mario. His brand of football is really, really entertaining. But the good thing that could happen from Mario leaving Meng Tong is that we might not have a coach that's too stubborn. I think Meng Tong United are a kind of team that needs to be a little bit more direct, needs to be a little bit more creative. So yeah, that's my conclusion. I would not want Mario to leave because I really like him, but it could be a positive sign that he leaves. Because at this point, we're looking at mid-table or lower mid-table finish. Anyways, that's pretty much it from my side. Thank you so much for having me once again on your podcast. Good luck with what you're doing and keep up the good work. There you go. Quite a bit to unpack there. Three very different games, I think you'd agree. Two seven-goal thrillers and one one-goal 
not so thriller, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, some good football amongst it. Ratbury, obviously a great win. I hope the Terror boys found some nightlife for, for Solace. I'm sure they would have drowned the sorrows somehow, wouldn't they? Yeah, there's always a way. I was just say, it's quite a trek back after you've lost at Ratbury. I've, I've been there and it's it's not very pleasant. No. Um, the BG Montong game, I thought, was a really good game as watching as a neutral. And to be quite honest, at 1-0, I thought Montong would be the next team to score. But an inexperienced keeper and defence is always going to lead to problems. I, I really enjoyed it as well. I, I watched it. Since that recording and, and since Kevin sent in his report, the big news is that Mario's gone, which I don't think anybody's that surprised with, given he made that speech, didn't he, at the final whistle that Kevin alludes to in his report. He knew then, didn't he? I think so. I think so. I mean, he sort of was halfway there, wasn't he, last season, and they had an upturn. It's ruined my notes for the show that I wrote out yesterday and woke up this morning to find the news. It's pretty inconsiderate of him, but I wouldn't expect anything else, to be honest. Not so Super Mario. It might be interesting to see who they bring in. One or two contenders have been discussed already on Twitter. There's a bloke at a loose end from Buriram now. There is indeed. And it wouldn't be the biggest surprise of all time, would it, if he got the job? You know, you've got to be careful what you wish for if you're a Montong fan. Nothing's going to get solved quickly unless they get some players in. There are a lot of issues off the field, aren't there? And I think that has obviously impacted on the team's performance. As for the Chombri game, I watched the highlights of that. And to be quite honest, Lampoon must be a bit sick that they didn't pick up a point. It's confession time here. I didn't see the game. I wasn't able to follow it live because I had a prior commitment and I've not seen any highlights. All my opinions have been formed listening to Tim and the bits I had to edit out as well, which were very illuminating. <laughs> not not suitable for family show. Was it his five-pint report? It was indeed. In fact, the second half, he didn't turn up till about 20 minutes in, which isn't unusual, really for Tim. Yeah, he sounded very exasperated. Just looking at the league table after the round of games, very interesting that Bury Ram and Chiang Rai are still to concede a goal and Bangkok United have only let one in. It's good, isn't it? It's very close. It, it's nice. You know, you've got teams competing and I, I don't think it's going to be the, the runaway that everybody was predicting. Oh, it is. Do you think? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm making a note of the date, I'm making a note of the time, and I shall play this back to you on the final day of the season when Buriram finished fourth. Hey, I'll buy the beers if they do. Right, it's a deal. Backing on, we've got many people's highlight of these podcasts, and I know that from all the feedback we're getting. This is you, Rob, again, out and about. Do you want to introduce it again this week? Yes, you were. Um, another local encounter. I've gone a bit more in-depth this week with the roving report, uh, covering the rice. Cicelai against Sirin Kongchimol match in uh, T3. And you went there on the train? I did. I got dropped off in Cantalum. Uh, my missus goes to the market there. I get the train in. Enables me to go for a slurp before the match. So let's hear all about it. Ross Roving Report. Well, that was a quick train ride, Dale. In all seriousness, six part for a 30-minute ride. Which brings me to the city of Cicicates for today's Rob's Roving Report. Last season when T3 started, the city was home to the team I'm going to watch today, Rice Eastalai, which is a town 45 kilometres away, but they haven't got a stadium of their own up to the standard. So we'll see how they get on in their opening league fixture.
wherever you are in the world and you want to go to a football game there's nothing like seeing the floodlight pylons in the distance and it's the same whenever I go to a game in Thailand here in uh, Sisiket I've just enjoyed a lovely lunch talking to the owner and a local at a place called Hong Kong Garden which is highly recommended if you come into this actual venue yeah, it reminds me a bit of home really a natter at lunchtime, pie chips and gravy and then a wander down to the football Although to be fair, when you go to football in England, you don't walk past fields of cows and bulls. Well, mission accomplished, Dale. I've arrived at the SAT Stadium. Had to wade through a large puddle. And there's more outside the main stand. We really have had some rain up in this part of Isan in the last few days. And to be quite honest, I'm quite surprised that there aren't more postponements owing to wet weather. But looks like we'll be all right. Although it does seem we'll put one or two off. Not quite as many here as last week, I don't think. Yeah, getting over the puddle into the main stand could be interesting. <laughs> So yeah, 60 baht to get in here today. The anthem's been played. Just waiting for the signal from the FAT official. Then the players will go out into the arena. So the King's Anthem out of the way. The teams of Sering Kung Mall and Rice Salai United. Shake hands, get ready for the game. Yeah, in the debut season last year after coming up from the Thai Amateur League, Rice Salai United finished a very creditable third place. Quite a few points from the uh, Champions League playoffs, but still a great performance. Whereas uh, Kunchi Mall, the opponents today, one place off bottom. Yeah, Rice Salai United, usually a SAT provincial stadium here in Sisaket. One of two here. Local rivals, Sisaket United, use the C. Nakon Lamduam Stadium, the older of the two, which is somewhat of a surprise. I'm amazed that Sisaket United didn't try and move in here. And what the home club do well, even though they're based 45 kilometres from town, they're busing youngsters from the home base, some of them youth team players, which adds to the crowd, or the guys here with this tannoy and drum over the far side. Yes, we're going to have a cavalcade of bad singing and drumming. Hill, we're in the 12th minute here. The referee has decided to give Ricey Salai a penalty. Forward nudged it past the keeper. Was there contact or was there not? It's very hard to tell from here. The keeper going absolutely spare at the decision. He feels as though he's been wrongly done. Referee having none of it, the player on the deck getting treatment. No VAR, unless of course they decide to watch Facebook. So we'll just wait and see whether the penalty will be converted. Stepped up to take the kick. The ball hit one post, flew across it the other post, and it's come back out. It's nil nil still. Dell, we're in the 26th minute, and there has given another penalty to Rice Salai. And I have to tell you, that is nil dog. Shocking late challenge. Nowhere near it. They seem to be letting the number eight take it again. What will happen this time? Deep into stoppage time here, Dale, at the end of the first half. Somehow it's only one, a hatful of chances being missed by some shocking finishing. Visitors, well, showing signs of trying to play football in the right way, but just they're not very good at it. Just waiting for the ref to blow his whistle any time now. 
there it goes, there's the whistle, 1-0 half-time, Rice East alive. Anyone who finds himself in the area of Seasicket and fancies coming to a game here, it's very easy by road, plenty of parking available on site. Those who are in town, either by public transport or in their favourite restaurant, certainly a taxi ride down here. It's a nice area to come to if you've got time beforehand. Just next door there's the Seasicket Tower and Aquarium, both are small admission charges. It's an attractive stadium, great views all round, just too big for T3 football. Fluke. Number 19 for Icy Salai. They're claiming the goal as though he's some kind of genius. A left foot cross from wide out on the wing, floated over the keeper and in at the back post. 51st minute, 2 0 to the hosts. Dale, it's 3 0, a lovely chip ball through. Nice finish into the corner. It's been coming, they've missed some sitters of Rice Salai. Not least when her header at the back post was blocked on the line by his own man. Meanwhile, Serene Gunchy Mall missed a good chance of their own when it was 2 0. 3 0, Rice Salai. 4 0! And this last 25 minutes or so is going to be very hard work for Serene Gunchy Mall. They're getting torn apart. I did wonder whether last week's 8-2 drubbing at Conken Mordingden was a freak in the League Cup. I don't think it was. They've got a long season ahead of these guys in blue. And if they don't finish bottom of this division, I can't wait to see who does. We're deep in stoppage time, Dale, and they've pulled one back of Conchimol, and well deserved. They just hit the post and bar earlier. Credit to them, they kept going right till the end. 4 1 Ricey Salai. The goal for Serin, the final action of the match. The referee blew his whistle straight away after the kickoff. Final score here at SAT Cesarket Stadium is Ricey Salai United 4, Serin Conchimol 1. Yeah, so the final score, fair reflection on the game. Rice East Salai, not brilliant, but they didn't have to be in all fairness. 4-1 about right, but a special mention to today's referee, who was excellent. Cannot fault him, there was times when the visiting players made poor tackles, not through any malicious intent, they just weren't quick enough. He used his common sense, kept cards to a minimum. A very enjoyable afternoon, everyone's had the 60 bars worth. Highly recommend coming down and giving it a go if you happen to be in the area. Final score once again, Ricey Salah United 4, Serene Kumchimol 1. Brilliant as ever, Rob. I think you do. You really capture the the whole atmosphere of these games. Not not just the match itself, but obviously the the day and everything surrounding it. You paint pictures with words, Rob. No, that's very kind of you. I might be painting big pictures with words if uh, my lift doesn't take me to the match on Saturday. So I could be doing a five pint report of my own. So where are you planning on going on Saturday? Oh, it's the big derby. It's Cicket United against Rice Salai. My name's Marcus, and you and I are listening to a Thai football podcast with Dale and Rob.
Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce Samuel Thorley, and he is a very interesting character. He's a coach and a co-owner of a, a women's team in T1. So this is our first look at women's football in Thailand, and I'm just going to leave it all to Samuel. He's very informed, very informative. So sit back and enjoy what Samuel has to tell us about his exploits with his club and what he sees as the future of the women's game in Thailand. Hello, Samuel, and welcome on the podcast. It's good to speak to you. Thank you very much. Good to speak to you too, Dale. So would you like to begin by introducing yourself? My name is Samuel Thorley. I'm the technical director and 50% owner of T2 Women's Champions, BSLWFC, so newly promoted to T1. Um, I've been involved in the club here for, for two years. We're based in Bangkok and Samut Prakan. So how did your involvement begin? Originally when I came here, you know, I knew I wanted to be involved in, in football. And so there was a, a Saturday Sunday grassroots football not too far from our house. So I started going down there and, and doing a little bit of coaching and trying to create a curriculum and maybe do a bit of CPD with, with the coaches and improve some communications with parents and, you know, and through that I was asked to go down and coach the women's team so I went down and coached them for a couple of sessions I guess they liked what they saw so they asked me to take over the head coach's role but the head coach's role is high pressure there's a lot of expectations a lot of pressure from from owners and other people and my focus was really at home I wanted you know what any project I do I would sort of need to be in control of it so it went away for you know a few months and then kept in touch with the, the people running the project and eventually they, they came an offer said okay why don't you come on board your skills could probably help us grow the project help us grow the team so if you come on board in the technical director role that'll take the pressure off us being we can do some of the admin stuff and handle the relationships with the Thai FA and it was too good an opportunity to say no to really so instead of being paid to coach I was now paying to coach but it's a once in a lifetime opportunity really to test you know your skills and your ability in a market that is at the very beginning so we can really we really have an opportunity here to sort of lay down a marker and, and create something hopefully that can benefit a lot of a lot of different people in, in Thai football. So initially it was a case of just right place right time I guess. You know you've got to seize those opportunities when they come you'll never regret the things that you try to make happen you know whatever comes out from from this project over the years i'm learning a lot I'm getting a lot of a lot of satisfaction from the successes we're having, connections we're, we're making both in the, the local football community and in the international football community. So for me, it's been a really great personal experience. And I guess now is a great time to be involved in women's football. So that, that must be quite exciting for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really exciting. We really are in a unique position to, to sort of take advantage of this renewed interest um, in the game. And, you know, no matter how developed it is here the rest of Asia isn't that far ahead or is in a very similar boat so we traditionally look to Japan as being you know, the leader in women's football but their league is is fledgling as well you know obviously the A-League in Australia I think there's going to be a big investment there in the next few years after the success of the World Cup so you know here we really have the opportunity to sort of catch the crest of the wave the challenge for us is we can see the potential it's we've got to be able to sell that potential to sponsors or other people in the community that, that you know we can 
could do with the help of and um, that's our biggest challenge really can you give us a little bit of bit more detail about the club yeah so it'd probably be useful for everyone if i explain how the women's football is set up here and then we can see how we fit into that so um off the back of the previous women's world cup so not the current edition the previous edition where the thai national team played the usa and the uh, 13-0 defeat the thai fa decided that you know that was a humiliation too far and wanted to improve the the game so the way that it had been organized until that point was purely through the universities or the sports universities within their own university competitions and then they would bring the national team players together as a group and train them in a a camp almost like a club i think the thai national team had the fewest friendly games of of any organization uh, leading up to that 2019 world cup so they wanted to they wanted to change that so they decided to form a league and that they got assistance from the AFC and from FIFA because obviously it's in their interest to develop uh, the women's game around the world so that 2019-2020 there was a just a T1 and then they launched T2 so it was two leagues of eight teams into which BSL WFC were invited to enter a team because previously in, in sort of their history they'd organised grassroots football and they'd been one of the only places for girls to go and play so they had pretty good under 18s teams and that's the reality of the women's football here it is almost a development league really the, the players are very very young because with the exception of ourselves and Bury Rats and Surin so there's three teams that are private clubs the rest of the teams are all sports schools or sports universities so they're, they're board, full-time boarders they train in the morning before they go to class and they train again in the afternoon. And those that, that are good enough to continue post-18, they'll get offered scholarships for their degrees. And if they're good enough, once they've finished their degree, they'll get a scholarship for their master's degree. But then once they finish their master's degree, there isn't really anywhere for them to go. So BSL was invited to ent- enter a team into that environment in the second division. Last season, I came on board. And what, we tr- what we're trying to do is create a space where women have the opportunity to to earn from their skills. So we see there's three strands to what we try to do. There's community. So we want to build a community through football in terms of like the top end first team, but also a grassroots community where girls can play with girls if they wish. Opportunity. So those players that are being released from the sports schools, instead of them going and working for you know the CP organization and getting a job in, in 7-Eleven or, or somewhere else, you know, they've dedicated their lives to football. Can we give them an opportunity to earn and money? through their football both as a player and hopefully we those who are interested will want to come and do some coaching with us so we'll, we'll train them and support them in, in developing a, a coaching journey and then and then finally like play and performance so there's a very unified way of seeing football let's say within the certainly within the women's game so the coaching is all very similar the development is all very similar and so what we we try to do is use different methodologies give them a different picture some different ideas about how how football can be in order to you know help them grow on the field and you know it's been a success so we started off last year we went from bottom to fifth this year we were champions of the second division promoted to to t1 and in this year's team we had international school students we had players from that 2019 world cup team we had players from the u17 national team and players from three or four sports schools all come together as was one football family football community we've added in strength and conditioning which is one of my specialisms we do a lot of analysis both in terms of physiological performance let's track their fitness 
fitness, track their fatigue. We can we compare them to players overseas. We take known data so we can sort of normalize it and say, okay, this is where we are compared to our peers elsewhere. And we use a lot of video analysis. So we're trying to bring in a lot of elements that you would see at, at the very highest levels, but we're doing it with a, a skeleton crew. So we have to keep the budget down. So I do quite a lot of that myself. Um, I have a head coach who's an ex-Nigerian pro, James Uwabukuri, who played here. He's a really great coach. He was T2 coach of the year, but he's also one of the few coaches that I've met and worked with who is able to coach the first team players, but can also coach under fives, under sixes, under sevens. He's got that range of uh, that skill set where he can communicate and bring activities down to the level of players. And then we have a few other coaches that work around with us. So our challenge now is, can we prepare to take the step up to the next level into T1 and hopefully be challenging for Champions League places for the 24, 25 or after season, which will be the first ever time that the women in Asia have to qualify for the Champions League. So right now it's invitational only. From next season, it will be a qualified tournament. So things are really sort of developing here at pace. It's a far cry from my early experiences watching the women's game in Thailand. Obviously things have have come on leaps and bounds since then. I did my master's degree in player development. And part of that, I interviewed the current national team. And for instance, sort of the way that the things are structured was something they highlighted as, yes, it's better than our previous generation, but it's still a far cry from where we want it to be so it's leaps and bounds but i think there's still plenty of work to be done what you're doing how does that compare with what happens at other clubs if we look at the teams in the in the top level we've got college of asian scholars who were previous champions and currently asian champions league champions and Konken. so they're essentially the, the same school the same team so they draw players from the same pool one is their a team one is their b team then we've got bangkok fc which is bangkok sports school and they've got Bangkok FC is their first team, and then Bangkok Sports School is their second team. We've got Nakhon C Tamarat, which is the same situation. So the sports school in Nakhon C, they've got a first team and a second team. Uh, Chombri, who were the champions this year, uh, came second this year, Chombri Sports School. So Chombri FC is the first team from the sports school, and Chombri Sports School is the, the second team. So those clubs, are everything they do, they do together. So they have a first and second team, a head coach and a couple of assistants. And the, the, they go to training sections at the Thai FA, you know, coach development sections. And a lot of those things that they're shown are, are just repeated out on the field with the players. We, amongst a very small group of clubs, invited to the FIFA and, and Thai FA Elite Academy Development Seminar. So we went down with the fellow T1 women's clubs and we, you know, we were discussing sports science and um safeguarding and you know a whole range of other things that are really important in athlete development and we were the only ones that had something to bring in terms of this is what we're doing you know we can show you our sports science we can show you our video analysis because we see value in it in the players development when i spoke to the national team players they found it really hard to answer questions about football and about their role in football and i I asked them, are you comfortable talking about yourself as a player and about your development? And they said, well, we've never had a conversation like this before. No one's ever spoken to me. So they do some group analysis, maybe sometimes the national team, but a player on a one-to-one level doesn't have a great deal of agency in their own process, even to the degree where, so four players recently have gone to Singapore to play in the second division there. They work in a restaurant the day and play second division in the evening. And two players have gone to Japan, but they almost have no say where they were going. They thought they were going to Spain until until the last 
perhaps moments. So, you know, we try to give the players agency. We try to make them aware of what we believe are their strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's the biggest difference in what we're doing. We're trying to individualize it to the women that we work with because, you know, our mission is to give them opportunity to help them grow. And on a selfish note, if we're going to be a really successful project, yes, we will win games here. Yes, we would like to challenge for the title. But really, you know, the big success would be to help a player develop and get out into uh, Europe where the money is really good and, you know, they can earn a really good living for them and their families. And of course, we get the benefit of solidarity payments, international transfers. So we'll get solidarity payments from FIFA um, and hopefully transfer fees. Now, of course, that's way down the line when we're not there yet, but that's part of the next step of our project where we're building relationships with clubs overseas so that we can start to build those pathways for them. It sounds like you're, you're ahead of the curve. Does the Thai FA take much notice of you? or Have they actually taken on board things that you've told them? I want to say that the the women, so the, the women's programme is run by probably women at the Thai FA. They're really, really committed to developing the women's game. They don't necessarily have the authority to make the changes they would perhaps like to make. So they might be on a similar wavelength to us, but then when it goes up a next step, there may be blocks in place. You know, the biggest one, of course, is, is finances. So if we look this year, the Thai FA launched the semi-pro league, the amateur league to create a, a men's pyramid. And they launched with title sponsors and prize money. The women's league, the T1 league, didn't even have a title sponsor. So there's almost no financing coming in to the Thai FA or from the Thai FA. There is some, it's very, very small. And so we were all told if we want to broadcast our games, we have to do it ourselves. So we did really successfully uh, through Facebook. Maybe we're a little bit to blame for the men's situation in that it was so successful that the Thai FA was almost said, okay, everyone can go and do that now. Well, that seems to so, be working in fairness. So all credit to you. If you can get enough subscribers and you can get it monetized, you know, you can get a decent amount of views. I mean, we're, we're an unheard of second division team in, in Thailand. And I think our peak viewers was three and a half thousand on one of our games, which is mind blowing to me, really. You know, we we play at San Prakan City Stadium and, you know, a few of the very diehard San Prakan City fans would come and support us during our game. So we'd get, you know, maybe a couple of hundred in the stands there, but and it's free to enter. We don't charge anyone to enter because we just want people to come and see the quality that we can that we can offer. Um, so to get three and a half thousand views, incredible, really, for us. Really incredible. Where would you like to see your club in the next five years? And where would you like to see women's football in Thailand in the next five years? The realistic hope and the dream is that we can get a few other parties like ourselves that see the potential in, in women's football here because the players have a huge potential. The technical level is really astonishing. And there is no firmly established brand leader in Asia, no club that you look to. So that's that's the number one women's team. So I would like women's football in Thailand to produce the number one team in Asia. And we would like to be fighting for that spot. And what, what we really need is other people within the football community or the wider community to see the value in coming in on board early to help us build the women's game before everyone else gets a jump start on us. So right now we, we sort of self-funded. If some companies or some individuals came on board, then we could really get a head start with everything, everything we want to do. So that's the hope. I really think Thailand can produce the best team in Asia, the best club team. And I, and I hope that we're part of that. Well, I really enjoyed that, Rob. And pretty much everything he told us 
in that interview was new to me and I found it fascinating. I have to say the same. And he's, he's very, very knowledgeable, isn't he? And he, he comes across so well. He certainly does. Uh, very impressive with everything I heard there. It's lovely to learn, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And and I think it all sounds very promising. You know, it's a club that's definitely worth keeping an eye on. They are going to be some of the front runners, aren't they, in, in the women's game? And as he said, not just in Thailand, but in, in the whole of Asia, really. Yeah, there's certainly scope. It needs obviously needs backing by the FA. And I, I found it interesting to hear what he said about the women on the committees at the Football Association, who he said were probably more in tune with what they were trying to do, but then they were thwarted as they tried to take things a step further, which would account for a lot, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's a nice little insight to have. Very much so. We both know a lot more than we did before the interview. And thanks to Samuel for that. We're going to close this week. We've got a new feature. I've been asking people to send in questions. We've had a very, very good response. We're not going to be able to answer them all this week, so we're going to spread them out over the coming weeks. In the meantime, if you do have anything you want to ask us about Thai football, it doesn't have to be serious. We don't want serious questions all the time. You can ask us silly stuff as well. We don't mind. Just send them in. You can DM us on Twitter or we've got the email address or contact us through our Facebook page. We've had some great ones so far. So we're going to do the first three today. Question number one. What's the one ground in Thailand that you haven't yet visited but would most like to visit? Uh, I would say Tinsel and Under Stadium Songkla. I think for me it's the Ubon United one. I know you've been and you speak very highly of it. I missed it when they were in the Premier League and I've, I've regretted it ever since. Question two. How do you think Thailand's three participants will go in this season's ASL tournament? Tonight's lottery numbers are, honestly, Dale, that's how much of a clue I've got. I hope they all go well, but I honestly don't know. Well, I, I think they'll do well. I've just got a good feeling. They, they've all had a good start to the domestic season. I don't think that the groups are that difficult. It's going to be interesting. Good luck to them. I've got a feeling they're all going to qualify, which would be absolutely amazing. Be brilliant. You heard it here first. Question three. What was the motivation behind making the podcast? I think I messaged you, Dale, in a drunken message and said it'd be nice to get everyone together and it's your passion and drive that's pushed it on. The original idea definitely came from you, Rob, and then we just took it and ran with it, didn't we? And we've we've got what we have today. And obviously, thanks to everyone for the support again. We can't do it without the listeners and without people downloading and getting involved. Hi, my name is Isaac and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. That was it. First of our listeners' questions. So thank you very much to Marco for the first question, Pablo for the second question, and Kevin for the third question. And a big thanks to Lily for reading them out so nicely. There'll be more of those next week. That's about it for today. Anything you'd like to say before we close, Rob? No, just get yourselves out there. Enjoy it. Enjoy it for what it is. Don't worry too much. Have fun. And I've got a feeling that I might get to one of the games next weekend. I'll see how I feel. Ah, it's worth the effort. It's about time I pulled my finger out and got to a tie game. Jolly good. Right. Thanks for listening. See you all next week. Congratulations to Graham Watson, who is the winner of our competition to win a copy of Matt Riley's book, Thai Football Tales, The Beautiful Madness. Well done, Graham. Thanks to everyone who entered, and thanks to Matt for putting up a signed copy of his book as a prize.